welcome back to NALFA's Affordable Housing Podcast. My name is Allison Ward, NALFA's Membership and Operations Associate. Today, we are joined by guests in our own backyard, the DC Housing Finance Agency, and the team that worked to create their NALFA award-winning project, Cynthia Townhomes. I'll be speaking with Christopher Donald, Executive Director and CEO of DC HFA, Chris Miller, former DC HFA Senior Director of Housing Investments, and Harvey Yancey from H2 Design Build, the developer of Cynthia Townhomes. I look forward to diving deeper into and helping to tell the story behind the project. Thank you all for joining me today and congratulations again on this well-deserved award. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's kind of dive right in. So to start us off, can you set the scene for our listeners? Can you share a little bit about the housing investment platform and how it helps create projects like Cynthia Townhomes? <laughs> the HIP platform uh, was created, our housing investments platform um, was created really <clears throat> to think about the agency resources differently. Um, when we originally started the platform, we took about $5 million off of the agency's balance sheet and decided to invest it in the community. And one of the first things that we looked at was partnering with emerging developers to produce middle income housing, which was a priority of the city, and then to partner with these developers to build capacity. So there was really uh, several different objectives. And so we identified a potential partner uh, in the form of H2 um, Design Build, and we started working with them. And what we did was we as the agency brought 80% of the equity uh, into the transaction. The developer brought 20% of the equity into the transaction. And we had a low middle digit return that we were after. At which point, once we hit that return, 80% of the returns went to the developer and 20% came back to the agency. And what it allowed us to do was to attract really talented development partners uh, who had the ability to do development all over the city. You know, our partner right now did things up along the Gold Coast on 16th Street. They were in the Washingtonian and the Washington Post doing really beautiful housing, which was very deliberate. Uh, and there was a level of quality and the tension that got brought to that price point, but also delivering that to middle income residents who we wanted to make sure had the opportunity to stay in the district. You know, we're all witnessing kind of this rapid gentrification and, and folks who've been here for a really long time not being able to participate um, in, the, in the resurgence of the renaissance of the district. And so we want to be very pointed and deliberate about that by using our resources. But it was also really important for us to nurture talent, right? Uh, we also know that the participants uh, in the commercial development realm tend to be rather homogeneous. And so we were looking for black and brown and women developers to really come into that space. And we understood that one of the historical challenges has been access to capital. We knew that with the agency's resources, we could erase that impediment to coming uh, into the game. And long-term, what that meant was that these developers would be able to demonstrate fiduciary responsibility, showing that they had handled money in the past and that they could handle bigger money in the future. So we were really excited about kind of ringing all those different notes uh, through our HIP platform. And so that's the genesis of why it was created. As we look forward, we think that there are going to be additional spaces for us to play in uh, along the multifamily spectrum, uh, looking at investments and investment partners 
right, to bring that to fruition as well. So that's uh, the birth of the HIP program. Awesome. I think that really sets a great baseline for our conversation today. So why was there a need to create a program like the housing investment platform? And who are these homes created for? Uh, I'll, I'll chime in here. Uh, if you look at the spectrum of, of households that are, uh, that are that need housing within the city of the district, uh, you're looking at, you know, uh, from zero to, to market rate. And so traditionally, um, the uh, housing finance agency has concentrated on the 60% of AMI and below segment uh, on the on the multifamily side, and that's geared towards uh, the traditional LIHTC uh, and multifamily bond revenue program. And then if you go at the opposite end of the spectrum and you start talking about market rate, which we like to think of as 120% of AMI and above, um, there's there's plenty of product. Uh, on the rental and the for sale side that was being produced uh, for that segment. You know, the, the economics of it work out. Um, there's a lot of private capital and there are capital markets that are, you know, functioning within that space. If you look in between, which is uh, what's been dubbed the missing middle or workforce housing, which we, we generally like to define as between 60 and 100% of, 120% of AMI, uh, you're looking at a wide segment of, of, of the population that makes too much money to qualify for rental units within LIHTC, but not enough money to qualify for or to qualify for a mortgage on your average home price in DC, which at at the time was around you know seven or eight hundred thousand dollars, but you know more recently has climbed up quite significantly as there's a, a shortage of housing. Um, and new construction housing being produced. Um, so we had this segment that was largely being unaddressed. And, and a big part of that was there, there's areas in the city where there's, there's available land, where people wanna live, where we could attract uh, you know, either you know, people who are renting in the city who are looking to purchase, or uh, you know, people that you know, work in the city but are now doing a long-term, a long commute uh, to, to various places outside of the city, which, you know, has been shown to have a diminished quality of life, negatively impacts the environment, negatively impacts society, and also um, is, you know, revenue that could, or, you know, tax dollars that could have been staying in the city uh, by having people own where they, where they work. Um, we had this segment that we were trying to, uh, to attract and, and needed housing. And so, um, the, the homes were, you know, geared towards that 60 to 120 percent of AMI segment of the population uh, looking for a good quality home that they can grow into. That's not, you know, like a one bedroom condo or one bedroom condo in a den, but, you know, more geared towards uh, three bedroom townhomes uh, where, you know, you if you you know, work in the city and then you get married or you have children, you don't have to immediately look for that, you know, that move up house. Um, and so that's that's who we were really, really targeting. And that's uh, what the data was showing that the city is losing over time is that that population that uh, is, you know, your your nurses, your firefighters, your your EMTs, um, your police officers. And if anything, you know, the past year and a half, two years has shown how important it is for those people to live close to where they work, where everything that we've gone through with the pandemic. 
Gotcha. That's, that's awesome. It sounds like it was very intentional, the creation of the project. I, I agree with you. It very, it very much was. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that segues really nicely into my next question. So can you share with us a little bit about the inspiration behind Cynthia Townhomes and kind of what motivated its creation? Actually, um, a person of our team, um, our, our finance um, partner, um, during the time of us um, putting the Cynthia Townhomes together, um, lost her best friend's sister um, um, from cancer. And we felt that was an excellent opportunity to um, honor one of the team members team members and also um, we kind of the partners and everyone that was involved on the H2 team named each model after you know uh, our kids um, like Amber, um, Jade or um, Jordan and Sophia. So all our projects um, it kind of started a trend on what we were doing and the purpose of the projects um, as well. So no, that's, that's awesome. It just shows how committed and passionate you guys are about this project. I'm really glad you shared that with us. Oh, yeah, I was going to hop in and, and maybe just give a little bit of background about the project. Yeah. Uh, this was a continuation of, uh, of, of the relationship from our first project that we, we did with H2, which was Elvin's Road Townhomes. Um, and so as, uh, as we were you know, finishing up Elvin's Road Townhomes, the idea was to, to continue to grow and scale the relationship. Uh, and so Harvey and his team located three lots uh, in a section of the city called Marshall Heights, which has largely uh, been an underserved community, uh, very, very little new construction on the for sale side and on the rental side uh, is predominantly uh, driven by a, as a, as a text as a tax credit market. So, you know, you're, you're talking about your uh, 50, 60% AMI households there. And so a big part of this project was to bring some economic diversity to the neighborhood through new construction for sale homes, which were a high quality and of a design uh, that has largely been, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, built in this particular neighborhood and to kind of try to change the, the dynamics and kind of the, um, the views of like what is built in particularly neighborhoods of color. And I, I do, I want to emphasize the last point that Chris just made. Look, you know, the reality is that they're mostly black folk living over in Marshall Heights, right? And so developers thinking about investing their dollars in a very real way, a creative way, in a meaningful way to that population have not come through there. And so what you would find is most of the product was kind of builder's grade, uh, come in, build, get out, you know, sell for a decent price, make your returns. And, and the beauty of our partnership and the level of deliberateness is that if you walked into those units, you wouldn't be able to imagine what neighborhood you were in in the city, right? Your, your breath would be taken away and you'd be really proud to end up being a homeowner there. And that is fundamentally, I think, the ethos of the program, that no matter where you meet your housing, you still, as a home buyer, deserve to live in someplace beautiful, desirable, right, and affordable. So we want healthy, affordable, beautiful housing. And, and, and we're being very purposeful about that. No, absolutely. And by the looks of your project, you've absolutely achieved those goals. 
So my next question is, were there any key partnerships developed throughout the course of the project? And if so, can you tell us a little bit more about those relationships? Um, actually, one of the partnerships that we created was another um, um, partner, um, another small GC emerging developer, uh, HEP, um, that is a part of the HIP program as well. Um, we partnered with them in doing some of the sub work and as well as some of the management of the project. So as we grow, you know, it created an opportunity for them to start their, get, get in on their own projects and things like that. Um, and then as well as, you know, some of the small local minority subs that we brought on um, to help us um, facilitate on getting the projects completed, started and completed, so. And, and on the financial side, we worked with, uh, with, yes. with City First Bank, which uh, recently uh, merged with Broadway Financial. And it was, uh, it, it, it was a, actually a great partnership to work with uh, uh, a historically Black-led bank um, to, to you know, do the financing on, on these particular projects. And it was especially, uh, especially impactful and, and especially, and we're especially thankful because it's, it's very rare for a, a community bank to, to, you know, look at something innovative in, in the affordable housing space and uh, look at something that is more attuned to what you would see as far as the transaction structure and more uh, private capital markets. And so uh, for, for them to, you know, come to the table and, and, and look at how we were structuring this project and, and how the, uh, the agency was involved and for them to get comfortable in it and for them to be, you know, our partner lock and step, uh, that, was, that was really, really special and really, really impactful. Well, sounds like it was definitely a team effort. Well, it's really great to hear about the partnerships that you've developed and the relationships that you've built. So were there any obstacles faced during the creation of your project? And if so, what, what insights can you share with our listeners for, you know, best practices or lessons learned from these hurdles? Um, the infrastructure of getting the buildings and a lot of the code changes um, that we um, embrace was um, challenging. But, you know, it, it, as, a, as a scaling on developer and GC, you know, it brought, brought us to a more of attention of what the expectation is with um, stormwater management and energy efficient and things like that. So those are, those were, you know, some of our challenges and continue to be a little bit less of our challenges. Yeah. As, as, you know, building codes and kind of the, the broader city code or the broader city tries to catch up with, uh, with a lot of the, uh, you know, the environmental changes and, and, and update things to, uh, built more sustainable housing. Um, you know, it's, as Harvey mentioned, it's, you know, getting up to speed on what those changes are before, you know, before you get too far along in your project. And so that was one of the challenges here. And not to um, kind of ding some of our public infrastructure partners, but one of the things that we're constantly talking about is how do we, when we're building affordable housing um, and workforce housing, get some of that infrastructure expedite, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, what we're doing is actually infrastructure as well. And so how do we start those partnerships so that we can lower the cost of that housing the longer that we're in the ground and building, you know, that's interest that we're paying, right? Those are returns that are being burned off. When we talk about building capacity, 
of these emerging developers. And so, you know, one of the things, if anybody's listening from our utility partners that, you know, we want to encourage people to think about is how do we reduce the time to getting in the ground on building out that infrastructure? Because at the end of the day, the faster we can do that, the more units that we can produce. Absolutely. Definitely sounds like you've learned a lot and you've figured out a way to kind of overcome those obstacles in a very successful way. I'm really glad that you shared that part of the story as well, even though it's less glamorous. I know not everyone wants to talk about about the problems faced or the hurdles you had to leap over, but I appreciate you sharing that aspect of your story. So we've talked a lot about the impact on the community where Cynthia Townhomes was built. Can you kind of explain in more detail the impact on on the community since the creation of your project and HIP projects as a whole? Sure. I the the fir- first and foremost, it took uh, a number of underutilized and vacant uh, parcels of land um, that were that were sitting there and turned them back into pro- productive use and turned them back into uh, housing. We've brought in new residents, new neighbors. Um, it helped uh, rebuild some of the fabric within uh, within the community because having a vacant parcel and, and then living next door to that is not exactly the most desirable uh, you know location to live. And so we, we it kind of helped weave some of this missing fabric that was uh, that had been long term gone from the community as you know what had previously been on these particular lots was no longer there and they were just you know you know overgrown yards and um, you know people there you know potential there was potential dumping on the particular sites and so that was that was the first uh, the first impact I would say that uh, bringing new investment into an area that has been long term underserved and um, and, you know, being kind of like that first mover has brought along, uh, you know, other potential investors and other actual investors that have, you know, looked at what we've done and said, hey, there's a real housing market here and there's a real underserved community here. Um, let's uh, let's let's invest our money there um, as well. Um, and then it, it also helped diversify the housing stock. Uh, a lot of what was being built or what was existing um, was uh, either small apartment buildings and uh, what was going up was, you know, newer light tech transactions. And so this, you know, bringing new housing stock that helped diversify the incomes within the neighborhood with diversified incomes comes the potential for uh, additional resources that everybody benefits from. I also think um, one of the things that was really important um, about the, the two other things that it's, it's really important to mention. Number one, throughout the HIP program, uh, we've really been focused on using the market instead of subsidies and other scarce resources to drive the production of this housing, right? So the first two sites that were delivered on were in the private sector. The beautiful part about this partner is they were very adept at identifying privately owned land, buying it at the right price, and therefore being able to deliver the houses more affordably. The other very cool thing is the deliberateness with which these projects have been um, offered and and the, the types of families that we've been able 
to actually give the opportunity to become owners. So we've got everything from veterans to school teachers and some of our newer projects. Uh, we've actually got uh, police officers. But in the Cynthia in particular, I had the, the really very neat opportunity to meet uh, one of the families who bought. And it was an ANC commissioner who lived in that community for most of his life, his wife who was a teacher and their newborn baby who was in the rocker as they brought him over to look at their house. And I think they had one more toddler who was running around. And so to see this family, right, who was of and from this community, be able to buy a home and become homeowners, invested members of this community was like, it was mind blowing. It was everything that we had dreamt of the program being kind of personified. And so when you talk about how we've changed and how we've impacted those communities, like that's the epitome of it to us. Wow, that's awesome. It really brings a personal feel to it and, and just really goes to show your impact on the community. So I'm, I'm so glad you got to see families like that that you've had a direct impact on. So kind of pivoting to look forward, what is your vision for the future of the housing investment platform? I mean, Chris isn't here anymore. I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what do we see in the future? We want to continue to grow the capacity of the program. Uh, both uh, Chris, now that he's uh, playing another role, and Harvey and I have all been really deliberate, right? So we've been really excited about what we've been able to accomplish on the platform. How do we get more developers involved, right? Because the more developers we get involved, the more units that we can produce, the more capacity that we can build, right? And the game in the district is going to be in many instances, infill housing. So you can't go out in the district and you know get acres and acres of land. There are few publicly held opportunities that remain and so, our developers are going to have to be very creative. They're going to have to see spaces and places um, that aren't wide. So you're looking at five, 10, 15 units. So we want to identify more of those missing pieces, right? And fill those in. We think there's a great opportunity there. The other part of HIP that we see um, really growing is again, in that multifamily space, uh, both for sale and for rent. Right. So how do we really uh, catalyze uh, condo projects right? where you can have a little more scale and more impact? We haven't had an opportunity to do that yet, but we're looking at those. And then how do you get rental workforce housing? It's a question that everybody's asking. Right. Everybody's talking about it, but the capital that's coming to it doesn't really facilitate it. Right. Which is to say. You've got money that's saying, yes, yes, we want to build middle income housing. But when you look at what it takes for that money to get its return, you don't actually get the middle income housing that you want. And so here again, we can get more creative with our capital to actually facilitate that. And then there's something out there that we haven't even thought about yet. Right. And so we stand open and we want to be really creative about meeting the opportunity um, as an agency here uh, in the service of the residents of the District of Columbia, we want to figure out where we need to go and what we need to do to build more housing and to create more opportunities for people who live in the city. Absolutely. Well, I know I'm excited to see where it goes. Now is supporting you all the way. To kind of wrap us up, can you share any final advice or insights with our audience who might be looking to start an affordable housing project like yours? 
Uh, Harvey, tell us tell us where you're going next and what, what the people need to do to be like you. Um, to be like us. Um, as I always say, believe in your partners um, and the mission is the key thing. Um, and, you know, be an artist to an extent. <laughs> but I, I think this is a great program. It's an excellent opportunity um, for for us, as well as to um, portray, to have this conversation with other emerging developers, um, because as Christopher and Chris once stated, this is um, a missing middle um, in the district that we're missing, um, and this program is incredible because you know we started from one, two, or three, or four units a year to um, potentially up to sixty-five. Um, workforce housing um, projects that we're, that we're looking at for the next two to three years. Um, yeah, and I think that is um, very important that, you know, that other jurisdictions, you know, implement programs like this um, to um, help emerging developers and GCs. And also, you know, you're feeding, you're, you're feeding, you know, the missing middle um, that, you know, you're normally looking at, you know, the lower income or the higher income, but this, this, this program um, definitely fills a gap in multiple areas. Um, so, yeah, that's my advice. That's my insight. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll chime in uh, some, some advice and insights. Uh, be attuned to the, to the needs and wants of the community. So get out there and, and, and speak with them. Um, and, and, and really, really listen. A lot of times developers come into neighborhoods and they've got their project plans already, uh, already you know, put together. They know exactly what they're gonna build uh, without having a, a conversation with the person next door or the person across the street to make, make sure that that's even something that, you know, one, they would want built in their neighborhood or, or two, something that would actually work in their neighborhood. And so, um, so definitely get out there and, and talk to the community about, you know, what their needs and what their challenges are, because one, it can help you. They can help you along the way with your project or they can hinder your project uh, as, as communities get more and more voice into, you know, what gets built and where it gets built and by who it gets built. Um, it's, it's very, very important to build these relationships earlier on in the process so that, you know, you're not at the at, at the closing table and you've got something holding up your project because you haven't fully addressed or talked to the community. So a couple of thoughts to share. Um, number one, we stand ready here at DCHFA uh, with the resources to facilitate projects. And so we want to see and do more and we will leverage the, the resources that we have to do so. Um, it cannot be emphasized enough, all of the voices you hear on this call there, there were partnerships and relationships that were built to make a difference, right? And when you do something like this that hasn't been done before or that seems impossible to do, you've got to assemble a group of like-minded individuals who are willing to, when it gets really, really tough, push through. So if you're out there and you're thinking about doing this, find partners, right? You can certainly do these things alone, but it's very, very hard. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to have the biggest partners in the world, 
but bringing together uh, someone who understands the finance and someone who understands the construction and having someone who understands marketing, like all those pieces are there. We didn't really get into all of that, right? But, you know, when you look at the H2 team, uh, it was H2 along with the agency, along with a group of folks from Compass who were marketing units, along with uh, the actual uh, one of the lenders doing a lot of the, the mortgages to folks was over at home side. And so there was this real deliberateness of skill sets, right? And talent that all kind of merged together like Voltron, right? Very focused on executing against this mission so that whenever someone kind of stepped into that paradigm, there was going to be no point at which as a home buyer, you didn't have an option. You didn't have to use you know, everybody who was in the system, right? But if you're a first-time homebuyer buying in that community, right, there was a glide path to put your head in that bed. And that was super, super uh, important. I think the, the biggest thing that I can say is just be deliberate, right? Whatever you're doing, uh, be thoughtful about it and deliberate about it and stick to the plan. You know, I've got a good friend who always says to me, what's the business plan, right? And so have a plan and execute against that plan. The final thing that I would share with you, and, and you know, I think both Chris and Harvey were very, very uh, humble about this. It's not 65 units. So right now in our pipeline, uh, we've got eight that are about to deliver. Uh, there's another private site, which has almost 40 units. There's another public site, which has another 15 units, right? And then there's some larger projects, which I won't talk about, which they won't talk about. I'm just In terms of order of magnitude, it's anywhere from another 50 to 100 units. And we've got a team who I know can deliver. We've seen them do it before. And so I expect every one of those units to come to the marketplace. And so when we talk about HIP and what HIP will do, that's the platform, right? That's the power in the platform to be of service in this particular uh, a vision to, to grow to almost several hundred units, right? Like we've been doing this, what, Chris, for the last two, three years? It's four or five now. <laughs> four or five years, but there's always like this, this inflection point on the hockey stick where you go from, you know, singles, doubles, singles, doubles, to kind of like the grand slam, right? And I, I think right now we're headed in that direction with this team to kind of take off. So that's, uh, that's really exciting. And I think, um, again, having the right team to come together to provide all that touch, all of those touch points is going to be what makes the difference. And so we stand ready here, everybody on this call uh, and the agency as well to help the next aspiring uh, developer to, to get to the same place. So. Well, that's awesome to hear. And Christopher, Harvey, Chris, Thank you so much for joining us today to share with our listeners your award-winning work on this project and some insights into your journey. It's always a pleasure to speak with you guys. Awesome. Actually, we always I, love talking to you. Actually, I think we um, one person that we didn't, um, that I want to mention, um, that is dear to all our hearts is um, Todd, Todd Lee, um, who was uh, the lead on this. So he's doing great, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. It's really important to recognize him as well. Yeah. Well, right. thank you again for listening to the Nowfall Affordable Housing Podcast. Be sure to join us next time for more insightful, affordable housing discussions.